Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Tzadik Dalid in Maseches Erevin. We're nearing tomorrow the end of the ninth parak, starting the last parak in Maseches Erevin. If you're hearing the extra skip in my step, Andrew's back, of course. That's the, to account for it. Now, we're going to use that extra skip in the step to catch up a little bit. We're 17 lines up on Tzadik Gimel Amad Bez Amadav. Darash Meremar, what were we talking about? So, Rav Chizda had made the following comment. Andrew, while you were away, we continued the theme of mechitzos between chatzeros. A mechitza could be ten tefachim high, as you know, or there could be a tight discrepancy between two chatzeros that are ten tefachim, and that it ends up being like a mechitza, in essence. What if you had a five tefach elevation discrepancy plus a five tefach wall? So that was yesterday's discussion. And although we said that it could be that maybe if you were in the lower Chatzar, and you're looking up, all you see is tent and you don't even know what's coming from elevation, what's coming from wall. We had that between our house and the learners over in Nachal Tamar in the backyard. So then maybe it would be considered a tent tefachatzer. But Rav Chista's halacha was that if you have half elevation and half wall, then it's not, that doesn't add up. You can't miss, you don't add up both the elevation and the wall to make up the tent tefachim. So it has to be either all wall or all elevation. That was Rav Chista's halacha. Now we're going to see a descending opinion, a different opinion. As follows. It's going to end up being that the halacha is not like Rav Chista. I gave it away. Let's read it inside. Darash Meremar. Meremar learned, Gidud Chamisha, that's called an elevation of five, Umechitza Chamisha Mitztarfin. So you have an elevation of five Tvachim, and then on top of that, a Mechitza of five Tvachim. They are, in fact, Mitztarfin. They do amount to a ten Tvach, right? Mechitza, um, that's unlike Rav Chista. That's direct, diametrically opposed. So Ashkechei Ravina, Rav Acha Bered Rava, Ravina was interested in this halacha. He found Rav Acha, the son of Rava, and Amalai, he wanted to know more about the Salacha. So I said, Tanei mar midi Do you learn more about the Salacha of the Mechitza? So Ravacha, son of Rava, simply answered Amalai, Lo, no, I haven't. Okay, moving on. Gidu Chamisha. Actually, the Bach takes this piece out. What do you learn from it? Uh, if we were was here, maybe we'd tease out a Muslim moment from it, but we have to catch up, so we will move on. Gidu Chamisha, Mechitza Chamisha, Mitzdarfim. The Lacha is, in fact, like Meremar, that you are Mitzar at the five Tfachim of elevation with the five Tfachim of partition to create that Tfachim. That's how we hold the Halacha. 13 lines up from the bottom side of Gimel Bay's Bay, Ravoshia. The following inquiry. The Yorin Habayim Bishabis Maosha Yesru. There's a lot written here that's not written here. There's a lot embedded in that you have to understand from Mepharshim. What are the Diorin? Diorin are technically newcomers. The newcomers prohibit the Chatzir. So what's the case? So the case, Rash explains, is let's say, ah, oh, we could use the following case Barry and Andrew. They have a Chatzir adjoined by a Mechitza, right? A real proper Mechitza. Mechitza then falls down between them. And so when the Mechitza falls down between them, do we consider that now as if Barry and, and Andrew are ushered to each other? Because after all, they made their own Mechitzas, right? They had their own perimeter of their own Chatzers. So when the Mechitza fell down on Shabbos day, that's like Andrew and Barry becoming newcomers in each other's Rishus. And are they allowed to carry or not? So Amr of Chitza, said Tashma. We can learn it from our very mission as follows. Chatzar Gadolish and Ifritzel We know that if you have a large Chatzar, and a small chutzer, and there was a breach. Now, breach means, sounds like there was a wall, and then it was broken down. So let's say that happens, and we said, what the, what's the lacha? We said you can carry in the large chutzer because it's still as if it has mechitos, because it has the side, right, protrusions, as opposed to the katana, which you can't carry in. It's considered like a annex, in a sense, to the larger one, and it doesn't, it, its walls are flush, and it doesn't have a mechitza, and therefore you can carry in the large chutzer, but not the small chutzer. This was already discussed over the last few days. Right, as the Gemara continues to say, the smaller chatzar ends up being, right, usher because it's like the entrance, the foyer of the larger one, as we've discussed uh, at length. So now, what is the implication that Chris is saying? He's saying that in that Mishnah, we never qualified whether that was happening before Shabbos or during Shabbos, and so let's assume that it could even be true if it happened during Shabbos. If that's the case, then that would mean that this happened during Shabbos, and in fact, right, even though, let's say, Andrew and the smaller chatzar can't carry, Barry can carry. 
in a larger chater. Even though, despite the fact that Andrew is now, right now it was Nifritzah, and Andrew's like a newcomer in his domain, still he can carry. So, uh, however, beforehand, beforehand, the, before this wall came down, Barry was able to carry, of course, but Andrew was also able to carry, right? Because he had a machitza. Uh-huh. So now this is, so this is a little bit of a variation on newcomers, but the bottom line is that prior to the falling down of the wall, both Barry and Andrew were able to carry. Now that the wall fell down, Barry can still carry, but Andrew can no longer carry. Rafkista thinks that that means that this shows you that Barry, who's now technically, like, theoretically, a new resident in Andrew's little chatzar, is prohibiting him, and therefore maybe that's the answer to the question whether a new resident is going to prohibit you in the chatzar. We're going to see, I'm going to give it away, we're going to see very, very shortly, the idea that some people would say whatever the halacha was, bein hashmashos, should continue to be no matter what. In other words, the most extreme application of that shita would be all the mechitzas fall down, all the airs fall down, everything happens, Shabbos day, everyone could still imagine as if everything was in place just as it was in Beishmashos and then, and then proceed that way, carry just as if it were really there, okay? So that's not this. That's really the question. Is that what you do? And so Rav is learning from our Mishnah that our Mishnah isn't qualifying it and it sounds like our Mishnah would say that you adapt to whatever the, the actual physical reality is in, on Shabbos itself, but the Gemara now rejects that proof from our Mishnah as follows. How do you know that the halacha would be, that, that this halacha of the small and the large chatzar would be the halacha, right, if it happened on Shabbos as well? I understand that the Mishnah doesn't qualify it, but you could say that that Mishnah implied it. That the Mishnah meant that this would only be true if it fell on Erev Shabbos, before Shabbos. To which Abaye even strengthened that. As you see in the Gemara, don't say, uh, maybe you could say, don't be so coy in suggesting that. It's clear that it happened on Erev Shabbos, such that by the time Ben and Shabbos came in, it was already, the wall between Andrew and Barry was already down. How do I know? Because Mara himself said, This question was asked of Ravuna already, and also of Yehuda, and everybody agreed with the following, that Let's say they made an Erev, Andrew and Barry joined their Erev, as we had been discussing, that if there was a real giant physical barrier between them, then they wouldn't even be allowed to, right? We said, there's three possibilities. Either Andrew and Barry have to make their own Erev, if there's a really large, uh, thick Mechitza, or if there's no Mechitza at all, then they have to join in one Erev, right? Or if there's like a portal, a Pesach, between them, then they have an option of, of doing one or the other. So here we have a case where the Halacha was that they had the option of doing one or the other. And of course, having become very, very close over the course of Erevin, of course they chose to make only one Erev by virtue of having a portal. Let's say the portal was a window, let's say the portal was a, a doorway. So what would be the case in the following case? Erev Derech HaPesach. They made the one Erev by virtue of this portal between them. V'nistam HaPesach. Ooh. And the window or whatever the doorway was became completely occluded and, right, and, and boarded up on Shabbos itself. Somehow it became sealed. So, Erev Derech Halon, V'nistam HaChalon. Mahu. So whether it's a Pesach or whether it's a Halon, as we said, we had a whole parak called Halon. So if these portals were between them and they became stomped up, so then what's the halacha, right? Because at this point, they had an error between them. Can they, so can they continue to behave as if they have the joint error or not once that becomes closed up? So for Omar Lee and each one of them, both Ravuna and Rabbi Yehuda, each separately answered me, Shabbos came unto Hutra, Hutra. This is what we were saying before, that whatever it was on, right, now it continues to be so going forward. And so even though it was occluded, this would be true whether it was open between them and then became closed or closed between them and then became open. Whatever the halacha was, came into Hutra Hutra. If you want to hear Abari Leibowitz, the great um, genius Dafyomi master, he could give you a whole slew of Kevin Jehutra Hutra applications, including in Safar Stam, all kinds of things. Unbelievable how deep you can go in this concept. But we will move on, just knowing that that's the case, and applying it to us, Kevin Jehutra Hutra. Fine. So as we finish off Tzadik Gimel and Beis, we find out that this concept of Kevin Jehutra Hutra, right, is actually a machlokas between Rabbi Shmuel as follows. Itmar, do a set of following. 
Back to the wall that fell down between two chatseros. Rav Amar ain't metaltlin bo elab arba amos. Rav says, "Uh oh, this happened on Shabbos. Okay, they don't share a common area here, Andrew and Barry, because they had a wall between them. So now that the wall fell down, Rav is rejecting the principle of hutra. He's saying the circumstances have changed, and they're stuck because their two schuyos in their respective domains are are conflicting and." For that reason, without an Erev, they can no longer carry it all in their backyards for that job. So they're going to have to erect this wall back up during the week or make an Erev during the week. Those are the two options that they're going to have. But in the meantime, this job is they can't carry. So the Rashi is pointing out, Rav Rav is rejecting that concept. However, Shmuel Amar, as we turn to Tzadidal and Dal finally, Amazing. The, right, the unbelievable, purest application of Hoyl, the Hutra Hutra. What does Shimon say? What's Iker Mechitza? It says like, Make your, use your imagination in your mind's eye. Where was that wall? So you carry, it's not like, oh, Shemuel's saying the wall's down now, so it's as if they made an error between them and they could each carry each other's chatzar. No. We literally imagine the wall as if it had, whatever it was, Ben Hashemus, we imagine as if it's there now, such that Andrew could carry up until that Im- said imaginary wall that fell down, just as he did before the wall fell down, and Ben Hashemus. And similarly, Barry with his own domain, Ad Iker Mechitza, until the place where that wall had been. So literally, Shemuel's halacha is that we treat it exactly the way we did. And we imagine that that's how it is still now. Like us imagining the base of Mikdash, when we go to the Kotel, the base of Mikdash standing exactly as it did in the days of the base of Mikdash, standing as it, as it is now, may be rebuilt speedily in our day. Okay. Now, the Hadar Rav, this idea that Rav rejects Hoel, Lav the favorite Mar El Miklale. Now, the Gemara points out, this is not something that we heard him say explicitly, but we inferred it from the following story. The Rav Shmuel Abi Yasbi the very Mande Amars of this Machlokas, were actually spending time together in a Chatzar. We'll turn out that it was in Shmuel's Chatzar. Okay, so they're spending time together on a Shabbos afternoon. And then, Nafal Guda Deveni Beni. Oh, look at this. Shmuel had a neighbor, bang, the wall falls down. Amalu Shmuel. Shmuel says, an interesting suggestion, Shkolu Glima Negiduba. Let's take like a, a towel or a shawl, um, and let's, let's take this piece of cloth, and we'll place it across the place where this partition fell off. Now remember, Shmuel holds that you can carry anyway. What's the point of the sheet? So, let's see. First of all, the main idea here is, Adrina Rav Lao says the Gemara. Rav turned his face he, in, in displeasure. Wow, so why did Rav turn his face in displeasure? Is it because he doesn't like the idea of, uh, of carrying this sheet? Because now that the wall fell down, Rav, as we mentioned, holds that you can no longer carry in this backyard. Or is it because he holds that he doesn't like the idea of erecting a Ohel Arai, right? Like, who, who makes sheets? Shmuel himself wasn't sure. This was a very ambiguous, right, displeasure that, Rav's, that Rav is actually expressing. So I'm only Shmuel. Shmuel says to Rav, trying to figure out what exactly is, is this sour face about, uh, if you object to this, I see that you're making a face, you're turning away, you're not happy, maybe we should take a belt and fasten it more. It's unclear, the, the Mepharshim explained, why would this help? Does this, does this reflect on what Shmuel thought Rav's issue was? Be that as it may, that was a suggestion. It's like, maybe I should tie it tighter. Okay, very unusual response. But the bottom line is, the takeaway is that Rav was displeased with putting up this mechitza, and in fact, it was Shmuel's suggestion to put up the mechitza. Now, the other question is, why did Shmuel have to put up the mechitza altogether? After all, according to Shmuel, it's as if the mechitza was still there, and you can carry. So why do you have to do that? So the Gemara says, well, Shmuel, lama liha. The Gemara itself asks that question. Why did Shmuel have to put up the sheet? We just said that the sheet of Shmuel was that you could carry anyway, as if the wall was, was always there. That, yeah, Rabbi Shmuel didn't like gawkers and eavesdroppers and paparazzi looking over the wall, watching them learn together, and so he put up the sheet for the purposes of, for the purpose of privacy, but for no other halachic reason, because he held that you could carry anyway. You didn't need the wall for halachic purposes. Okay. Now, the Rav, Isvir Ledaser, Lemele. So now the Gemara just simply asks, now we're talking about, I don't know, etiquette, or why did Rav just turn his face? Why didn't he just 
tell him. If he had a problem with it, let, let him tell Shmuel, right, what the problem is. The, why are you leaving Shmuel there perplexed and guessing what the issue was? So the Gemara answer is, Asrei to Shmuel Haver. No, like we said, it was Shmuel's house. It was not just Shmuel's house. Shmuel was like a Talmud Haver of Rav. He was, you know, they were Haverusas, but he was technically his the disciple. And however, so typically Rav would have been able to teach him. However, this was Shmuel's, right, shtut. This was like Shmuel's community, and he was the Rav of that community, and therefore Rav did not feel that it was appropriate for him to tell him what to do in his own community. So the Gemara asks, see, Haki, my time, my dream, my Okay, so if you feel that way, so then don't make a face, Rav. Don't turn away, right? Let him make his own decision. The Gemara answers, no, below the low name of Shmuel Svirle. Right? He didn't want people to get the wrong idea. I think that he agrees with this practice of Shmuel of putting up the sheep. So we still don't know exactly what his objection was. Like I said, it was a Machlokas Rashi Tosfus. But uh, we know why Shmuel put it up, at least. He put it up for privacy, but he held that the actual mechitzas with respect to the topic that we were discussing, we see an application. So the Gemara infers from this that Rav's objection was that you couldn't carry. That, that's why, that's what Rashi says. It fits better with Pshat and the Gemara. Uh, why does Tosus say that the idea is the Ohel Rai? I guess it's because of Rav's shitas uh, elsewhere. Okay. So we arrive at the Mishnah on Tzayigdal and Adalaf, and we have a new topic. Totally different, unrecognizable idea. Just kidding. You have a chaser and it breaks, and, and the wall breaks down. Except for here, it's, it's finally not, not between Barry and, and Andrew, but it's to the Rishus Harabim. So you have an interesting construction of the Mishnah here. The chaser, the wall falls down, and now the chaser is abutting Rishus Harabim. Now. Okay, so anybody now who's going to be walking in the street, let's say, we'll call the street Rishus Harabim. Anybody who's going to be walking in the street and goes and carries from the street into the chaser, or Rishus Hayachid Latocha, or from, from the neighboring Rishus Hayachid into it is Chayev. Okay. In other words, I'm sorry. Hamachas Bitochel Rishus Hayachid means. I apologize. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me say that again. Amachnes bitochal rishus hayachid means the following. The wall between the rishus hayachid, the chatzar, and the rishus harabin fell. And therefore now, if you bring from that breached chatzar, the idea here now is going to sound like the breached chatzar is going to be treated like rishus harabin now that the wall fell down. Okay? So since the chatzar is going to be treated as such, therefore a person who is going to take from that chatzar, whose wall fell down, and bring it into another rishus hayachid, right? That's going to be a problem. Or from a, another rishus hayachid and bring it into this chatzar, now again, Halachically, it would be usually to carry from Rishus HaYachid to Rishus HaYachid. The point of this mission is, now that the wall fell down and it was right up against Rishus HaRabim, we're going to treat this Chatzah like it's a Rishus HaRabim. And therefore, any transfer either into or out of, uh, of this area from Rishus HaYachid is no longer considered a transfer from Rishus HaYachid to Rishus HaYachid, which is only Asr Midirabanan. But rather, says the Tanakhama here, Chayev. He is Chayev, as Rashi explains, Midoraisa, a Korban Chatas. This is the full-fledged Rishus HaRabim to Rishus HaYachid Avera of Hotzah. Wow. So the sheet of Rebbe is that once the wall falls down, you treat that chatzar like a Rishus HaRabim, and you can't, if you, and, and carrying from there to a different Rishus HaYachid would in fact be an Isser Dor Raisa. The Chachavim Ramim Mitocha the Rishus HaRabim or Rishus HaRabim Mitocha, Pater. So as we know already, Pater means Pater Aval Aser. So, essentially, in essence, Rebbe is saying that this chatzar turns into Rishus HaRabim, and therefore carrying it to another chatzar would be an Isser Dor Raisa, whereas the Chachavim say that this chatzar is, retains the Rishus, um, is not, is not going to become a Rishus HaRabim, but it's still going to be Asr Midir Banan. Why? Says the Mishnah, Mipneish he ke Karmelis. Right? That it's actually, the, this breached Chatzar is not treated like a Karmelis. It's not a real Rishus Rabbim. And since it's treated like a Karmelis, then you, it's going to be only an Isr Durabanan. Now Rashi points out, right, that this, this would be Asr from Rishus HaYachid as Rishus HaYachid also. Right? It says Rashi, Right? Whether you carry it into Rishus Rabbim, right? That's what Chachabim say here. But obviously, if it was consistent with the first part of the Mishnah, which we talked about it really coming from Barry's Chatzar into Andrew's Chatzar, so then that would also be. Because after all, a Karmelis is going to be an Isidar Banan, whether it's going out into the Shusar Rabim or whether it's going into the neighboring Shusar Yachid. But be that as it may, the 
the essential machlokas is that Rabbi Yezer holds that again, Chatzar breaches or Shusharabim takes on a full fledged Shusharabim status, whereas uh, whereas the Chachamim hold that it does not. It takes on a Carmelist status, and the difference being is transferring from Rishus Hayachid to it going to be an Iser Deraisa or is it going to be an Iser Derabana? So we, we arrive at the Gemara and the Gemara says follows: Rabbi Yezer, Rishus the difference of the Shusharabim Haviel or Shusharabim? Can it be that Rabbi Yezer holds that when Andrew's wall of his Chatzar falls down, Andrew, as we know, lives on a busy street, and it's considered Rishus Harabim? Does Rabbi Yezer really hold that if that fall, wall fell down, that his chutzner takes on an actual Rosh status? Don't forget, in order to be considered Rosh Hashanah, this criteria, right? The criteria of dimensions and the traffic going through there, is any of that is going up? Why does any of that apply, in fact, to Andrew's chutzner? It makes much more sense that it become a Carmelist, like the Chachamim says. Let's see. The Bible says, yes, in Rabbi Yezer Letamei, Rabbi Yezer, in fact, does hold that Andrew's chutzner becomes Rosh Hashanah, and in fact, he's consistent with, his, uh, with himself elsewhere. Detanya, because we learned Baisa, Rabbi Yehuda, Oymim, Meshum, Rabbi Yezer, Rabbim Shebaru, Derech Laatzman. If a public shows a road for themselves, Masha Baru, Baru, this happens in Baltimore all the time. Birnbaum walks through my backyard to go to the backyard minion behind my, ha- my backyard all the time. So it's, that's actually a well-traveled tra- area. And so it's an it's a interesting halakha that if you have right, uh, a thoroughfare that people walk through, so even if originally that was considered someone's private property, after a while, that road well-traveled is going to eventually be adopted, so to speak, by the population, and it becomes a Rishos HaRabim. So that was Rabbi Yezer's halacha. It's an interesting halacha. By Masha Baru, Baru. It so has been said, so it has been chosen. He's talking about, in that, in that case, that something that starts off as private property can, in fact, become private property by virtue of being exposed to Rishos HaRabim. Now, in that case, right, people were walking through it, so that would have to be the case in this, in this mission also. But if that was the case in our mission, that once Andrew's wall fell down, people started walking through his backyard with impunity, so that in fact it could become Rishos HaRabim, that would be consistent with what he had said elsewhere. But the Gemara says, Aini? Is that really true? V'ha'amar of Gidol Amarav, of Gidol had said that Behusha Avdel HaDerech Be'osa Sadeh. Aha. In other words, that that case, that halacha of Eliezer, is only true where, in fact, there had been some sort of thoroughfare at one point. We're not sure exactly where it was, but we're not really blazing a new trail here where there hadn't been one before. That would be unfair, and that wouldn't make any sense to just turn someone's backyard into your own public domain. That's not halacha. What's happening here is that we just didn't know exactly where in this private chater the actual street or the actual public thoroughfare was, and so we're reasserting and we're estimating where it was. So in a case where it had already been a public thoroughfare and it was turned into a private, that's the case, right? But in the case of our Mishnah, presumably, both Andrew and Barry had, or, or whoever's Chatzar it was, let's say Andrew, so that was not the case. It was clearly a regular uh, private domain and therefore maybe the Rebbe Lezer would not be able to turn it into Rishis Rabbim. So the Gemara, but perhaps you will say no, that perhaps our Mishnah, what we're talking about, is in fact that very case where Andrew's Chatzar used to have a, uh, a portion of it that was a thoroughfare, and now it's no longer. If you look, the best way to visualize it, we're about to uh, have a discussion that's going to require this visual, vis- visualization, is if you look at the figure here in the art scroll, you see, the best way to visualize it is when the wall fell down, right, it's just how deep out into the public thoroughfare that Andrew lives on, right, the wall fell. In other words, when people are walking, they can say, well, the wall was uh, over here, that's where the thoroughfare used to be. So that when Andrew built his Chatzar's wall, he actually built it jutting out into what had once been a public area, a public thoroughfare. And then it just becomes a discussion of how far out into that public thoroughfare the wall went. But be that as it may, that area was a public thoroughfare at one point, and Andrew had built his wall there so that people had to walk around it. And now that the wall's down, people are reasserting their Rishis Rabim, and that's what the case is. Maybe you could say that. And therefore, that does make sense. In other words, that's what entitles Rabbi Yezer to say that this, which was a Rishis HaYachim, by virtue of the Mechitza being there, can now be reconverted into a full-fledged Rishis Rabim, right, by virtue of the wall falling down. 
Now, that would mean, however, and that's going to become significant, that only that area where we're presuming, right, only that disputed area where the wall had been is going to be eligible to become Rosh Hashanah You can't say that now all the way deep into Andrew's Chatzar is also Rosh Hashanah You can say that, that in his entire Chatzar becomes Rosh Hashanah No, right? In other words, this Teretz, in the, in the, this um, Teretz, or this, um, not validation, but, right, this idea uh, of Rabbi Eliezer, where we're going to say this justification that we're going to say for Rabbi Eliezer that it makes sense it becomes a Shusharabim only because it had once been a thoroughfare, that only applies to that edge of his chutz. It doesn't apply all the way in. So let's see that discussion inside the Gemara as follows. Right? Rabbi Hanina points out that the Mishnah case can't be that there had once been a thoroughfare because it says Ad Mekom Mechitza. The Machlokas is, right, that the, it considers the entire Chatzar to be a Shusharabim. Ad Mekom Mechitza. Okay, so there, right, right, he said that it implies that Rabbi Ezra considered the entire Chatzar, um, So what's this idea of Ad Makom Mechitza? So we say, the Gemara answers no. We would say that Rabbi Chanina had said something else. Ema Al Makom Mechitza Machlokas. Right, really Rabbi Chanina was explaining that it was invo- involving not the entire Chatzar, but only involving Al Makom Mechitza, meaning the Machlokas. Rabbi Ezra, the in our Mishnah, is now modified, right, according to the first Emendation of the Gemara is modified to be only dispute over the area where the, where the Shusarabim once had been. And again, we have to say that that was the Machlokas, because otherwise it wouldn't make sense for the other to say that the entire Chatzar became a Shusarabim. So now that we've right, narrowed down the Machlokas to only the area where the wall jutted out, now it, may, it does in fact make sense that the other would say that that area becomes a Shusarabim, and the Chachamim would say, no, that area can never become a Shusarabim again. It's a Carmelist because it had once been Andrew, and it's still part of Andrew's Chatzar, but for the fact that the wall is now removed. So that's one possible answer. That the Machlokas is about only the Edge. Or an alternative similar answer is Vibai Sema Harabim What they're arguing about is the concept that we already mentioned in Masech Shabbos of Tzidei Rishus Harabim. We know that Rishus Harabim is the main thoroughfare, right? But it also has like the service roads or like the sidewalks, right? Where people are walking on the sides, literally, of the Rishus Harabim. And the question was then, are the sides of the Rishus Harabim, are they considered Rishus Harabim or not? Well, that's a very fundamental machlokas. In other words, Andrew's wall used to jut out onto, let's say, what we'll call the sidewalk of the Rosh Hashanah. And now the question is, the walls are down. So now, is the Rosh Hashanah sidewalk considered Rosh Hashanah? Does it have that status? Or, by virtue of not being the actual street, do we call it not Rosh Hashanah, but rather a Carmelist? That could be the Machlokas. However, to that suggestion, the Gemara asks, uh, and just to finish off the suggestion, as we just described, is the sidewalk, like Rabbi Yezus says, Rosh Hashanah, or is it like the Chachamim say, simply a Carmelist? Then the Gemara asks, if you're going to say that that in fact is the Machlokas in our Mishnah, well, that's a fundamental Machlokas specific to Tzidei Rosh Hashanah. Maybe that's what the text of the Mishnah should have been. The Mishnah should have said, And that would have been the Mishnah. Why are we using this unusual case where it used to be a thoroughfare and then it's not, and Andrew has a chatzar, and the wall's falling down. Who needs all of this? Just get to the point. Argue simply about the Tzidei Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara answers, we could not have done that. How, because, if the Machlokas was simply about Rosh Hashanah, we would have said, when do the Chachamim disagree with Rebbe Yezer? That's only where you have Chipufei, speed bumps, in the middle of the sidewalks, which make it unsuitable for traffic. Once you have the speed bumps, you can have a Machlokas about whether that sidewalk, now it's, now it's already fundamentally, qualitatively different, right? Because the road, you can travel with impunity. But the sidewalk has speed bumps, obstructions, the crowds just can't get through there. And therefore, that's where you'll have a Machlokas. Can it be fundamentally different than a Rishus Rabin proper, than the street itself? But 
where there is no such obstructions, then one would one would assume that the Chachamim would concede to Rabbi Yezer that the sidewalks are in fact like the Rishis Rabbah, because after all, who cares whether it's the side or the street, like it's all just the area. People walk on both equally. Ah, Kamash Malan, therefore our Mishnah is using a case of a collapsed wall to teach you that they actually argue where there are no Chifufei. Wow. That even though the walls collapsed there, now there's no speed bumps, the Chachamim would still hold that it's not Rishis Harabim. This is a quite quite a suggestion. The whole reason we use the case of Andrew's Chatzer was to teach you a case where there's no chibufe. <laughs> okay, not exactly intuitive, but that's in fact the suggestion. Okay, so that's that's really the explanation that we're talking about. See the Rishus Rabim according to the second explanation. The question is, however, says the Gemara, Yeah, but the other said explicitly in our Mishnah that anyone who carries wear from Rishus Rabim mitocha sounds like he's talking not of the Tzidah Rishus Rabim, but it's going straight into Andrew's backyard or Chatzer. So how do we know what makes us, what gives us the right to say that we think we're talking about the perimeter or the edge here? So Gemara says, no. The Chachamim used the phrase mitocha. So Ibelias just said the phrase mitocha to keep the language consistent. But really he meant the edge. Uh-huh. Okay, but we said now, So now we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. So let's, let's sort out what Allah is here. Ibelias holds that Tzidah Rishasarabim is not like Rishasarabim. Fine. And Rabbanon, they say, Tzidur Rishasarabim is like Rishasarabim. And then they go on and say the word Mitocha. Does that mean that the Rabbanon also hold that this idea of Tzidur Rishasarabim extends all the way out into Andrew's Chatzar, all the way deep into it? That doesn't seem to make sense. So the Gemara now is going to answer what this means, that our Mishnah, by using the Lashon Mitocha, is actually reflecting the dialogue between Rabbi Yezer and the Chavim, as follows. This is what the Chavim said to Rabbi Yezer. Right, Rabban said to Rabbi Yezer, aren't you going, don't you concede to us, right, that if you carried from the actual bowels de- of the depths of Andrew's Chatzar to the Rishus Arabim, and from Rishus Arabim into Andrew's actual Chatzar, that he's going to be Patar of Al-Asr, that he, in that case he's certainly going to be Asr uh, Medar because Andrew's Chatzar there is considered a Carmelist, certainly Rabbi Yezer would agree with that, okay. So says the so then the Tzidei Rishus Arabim, which is the edge, which represents the edge of Andrew's Chatzar, that should also be the same. Right, that it should be the same. That it should be um, that it should have the halach of a karmelis. Rabbi Yezer, hasam loka daisi la rabim, hachaka daisi la rabim. Rabbi Yezer, however, in response, would say that in the case of the in the case of the bowels, the inner part of Andrew's chater. So there, lo daisi la rabim. You don't have any foot traffic there, and therefore it's true that he would agree with the chamim, and thus nobody argues that the real internal portion of Andrew's, back, of Andrew's Chatzar is in fact going to only become a Carmelist. That's not going to become a Shisar Rabbim. Aye, what did Rabbi Yezus mean when he said that when the wall falls down, Andrew's Chatzar becomes a Shisar Rabbim? He was only talking about the Tzidah Shisar Rabbim. Why? Because because there, in fact, there's foot traffic. So the foot traffic is the Tzidah Shisar Rabbim. The foot traffic area becomes actual Rishus Rabbim. Okay, so at the end of the day, now that we've arrived at the mission at the bottom of Tzadik Dalad Amad Aleph, what it turns out is that the Machlokas, according to this explanation at least, of Tzidah Rishus Rabbim, the Machlokas is not about the internal area of Andrew's Chatzah. That everybody agrees becomes a Carmelist now. Right, it loses the status of Rishus Yachid, but it becomes only a Carmelist. The Machlokas becomes the edge of Andrew's backyard, where the Rebbe Yezer holds that it takes on the characteristics of the street itself, and therefore becomes a real Rishus Rabbim, whereas the Chachamim hold that the edge of Andrew's backyard retain the characteristic of the internal backyard, which is, in fact, a Carmelist. And therefore, when they say the word Mitocha, they don't mean to imply that the status of Andrew's 
depths of his backyard is in question, because that they both agree, in fact, is a Carmelis. They just mean it's an argument whether the outside strip that is abutting the Rishis Rabim is, in fact, ha- does that, in fact, take on the characteristic of the outside Rishis Rabim, or does it retain the characteristics of the inside? So the reference to Mitocha is not to imply that the argument is over, is over that internal area, but to simply say that the argument is whether the external portion of Andrew's backyard takes on the characteristic of the internal area or not. That's why it's referencing Mitocha, just to show that that's the argument. The argument is, is it like the Mitocha or not? But it's not an argument about the Mitocha itself, and so therefore, according to this explanation, it's just a machlokas about the tzidei, rishos harabim, and we move on to this next mishnah. Totally different topic. Just kidding. Chatzer should differ to rishos harabim yishtei ruchosea. We have a chatzer, and it was breached. But however, here it was breached on two sides to rishos harabim. Okay, so you have two streets, let's say, on either side of the chatzer, and now both sides are breached. Poor Andrew, these walls, these walls. He's, but he's always breaking down barriers, which is which is uh, why he's always uses this example. Okay. So you have the chater and it's breaking down on two sides. Now, same would be, we'll see in the Gemara why we're mentioning a house as well. The house also, if it's breached on Shabbos on both of its sides, a little bit more close to home, a little bit more common, where the air simply falls down, right? The the, the kari of the lechi, the kara of the lechi is taken off. Mutarin ba'oso Shabbos. We see that you can act as before the breach occurred, right? This looks like the halacha of Shmuel here. You're allowed to use it that Shabbos. The Asurim Lasid Lovo. But of course, you have to fix this by next Shabbos. You can't just say that we're going to forever act like as if these things that are no longer exist are in, are in effect, right? For that Shabbos, since that's how it wasn't Bein Shemashos, that's how you can behave. But Lasid Lovo, meaning going forward, you're going to have to obviously fix it during the week. They were Rabbi Yehuda. That's the logic a sheet. of saying that you can carry that Shabbos? It's that. This is Rabbi Yehuda saying that you can in fact carry that Shabbos as if the walls or the air was up. Uh, what you might want to know is, is that in fact how we paskin? That would be interesting, right? Let's say we say Shabbos day that the Erev is down, right? So the question is, um, the question is, if the Erev is down, can you actually still carry as if the Erev was up? That's an interesting question. That would be a lot here. Um, right, so now this is carrying in the breached enclosure. This sounds a lot like the Machlokas Rav Shmuel. The Gemara and Yudzayan explained that it's not exactly the same Machlokas, but it sounds very similar. Anyway, now that's the Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yosi Omer, in Mutarin la'osu Shabbos, Mutarin la'osu Shabbos. This is a sort of like flowery poetic way of saying that again, just reading it literally is, if it's mutter on Shabbos, it's going to be mutter forever. If it's usr for the future, it's usr on Shabbos. That's another way of saying, don't think about, don't look at the past, right? And consider what this was like in the past in order to determine whether you can carry or not. Look ahead, look in the future, which is to say, if this thing were to happen on a Tuesday, this wall would have to fall on a Tuesday, would it be in fact mutter to use next Shabbos? And based off of what answer you're going to get, that's how you know whether you can carry now or not. In other words, if it were to happen on a Tuesday, you would say that it would be also to carry on Shabbos. That means it's also to carry now when it fell on a Shabbos day. That's Rabbi Yossi arguing the Ryuda, saying that we don't look at what it was like a man of but rather whether it would be kosher now. Good. Gemara then asks, the Maya Skinan, what case are we dealing with here? Ilema, and it's interesting, right? Because how big was the breach? So let's see. Ilema be'eser. So this goes back, as we're back to shortly, soon, within a, a, a few days, about a week, um, or less, actually. We're going to, or more, now, a little more than a week, we're going to finish Masechus Erevin, but it's Hashem. So we're going back now to Daf Beis, the concept of the Ten Amas breach, as you might recall. That what's considered a Pesach, what's not considered a Pesach. So it says, right, the Gemara, if you're going to say that, that it's a breach of less than 10 Amos, so, in other words, less than 10 Amos is a what? It's a Pesach, right? That's called an opening. That's called an actual a Pesach. And what did we say about a Pesach? A Pesach is considered as if the wall's there. So then you can have multiple Pesachim. What's the difference whether you have one? Oh, the next Masech is going to be tough. This is different. This is with a saf. What if you have multiple openings, so then it's as if there's no breach at all. So why does it matter if there's one or two? Either way, this is not what we call a break in a wall. This is what we call a Pesach, an opening. And therefore, it should be still mutter to carry. So what's going on? 
says the Gemara, Eser must be that it's more than 10 amos wide. And therefore, that's why this breach is going to compromise your ability to carry. However, says the Gemara, Well, once you have such a large breach, then it doesn't even matter whether it's from two directions. Even if it's in one place, one such large breach, as we said in Dab Beis and Erevin, that's going to disrupt your entire Erev. So the Gemara answers, No, it's talking about where it's less than 10 amos, as we turn to the title of the Beis, at 6.18 a.m., it's a case where it's breached on the corner. The fisk of a Karen Zavis, law of the inchi, because putting a doorway, nobody puts a doorway or a Pesach in a corner, and therefore, uh, because that's not considered a doorway, so that even if it's less than 10 amos, that's going to be considered a breach, and that's what it means by two walls. It's the corner that comprises of both walls. That is the, where you'll have the machlokas. Okay. However, the next case of a Mishnah says, So we have a house. In a house, we have the following thing. A house has a roof. So now, when a wall falls down, even if it's more than 10 amos, when a wall falls down, we say that we consider the roof uh, and the roof line as if it goes down like a curtain. And that should be true, regardless of whether right, it has one or two breaches. And therefore, we should say that the entire thing is considered enclosed anyway, whether there's one or two breaches. So the Gemara answer is, similar, right, a similar answer, that in the case of the house also, right, it's a case where it was breached in the corner. And in fact, the house roof is at an angle, and therefore we can't say pitikra because the house's roof is, on, is at an angle. Rash explains, there's, there's uh, some discussion among the Shonim what this matters, but basically he's saying that the roof is angled. When the roof is angled, so you don't have enough thickness of roof uh, at the edge to, to drop down uh, the imaginary uh, curtain of pitikra, and because you don't have the imaginary curtain of pitikra, that's why it would not work there. However, Shmuel has an entirely different uh, definition. It has nothing to do with the roof, it has to do with the configuration of the floor plan of the house and that breach itself, as follows. Shmuel Amar, right? Right, that even if, right, Rav said that the whole thing was when it's less than 10 Amos. But Shmuel says, even if it's more than Eser Amos, says, wait, more than Eser Amos is a problem, because then even from one side would be a problem. Mishum Bais. So then the Gemara answers, no, that's because we're talking about the case of the house. In the house, a two-sided breach is, is required to make the house puzzle. So that's why Shmuel is explaining our entire case differently. Right, he's saying that really, right where, as before we said, that this, this only makes sense if it's less than 10 hours. Now we're saying because of the Pesach. Now we're saying that it's because of a uh, Pesach more than more than 10 amos. But wait a minute, why more than 10 amos? That, that's problematic for the chatzah. We're saying no, because for a house, you would need more than two psalchim of 10 amos in order to invalidate it. So the Gemara asks, wait a minute, but the house itself, in other words, right now we're saying that the reason we have these two openings is to make the case of the house make sense. Because the house needs two such breaches in order to be considered, right? Because for a house, you use pitikur the house needs two such breaches to be considered uh, totally breached. But we say no, but even a house, it doesn't work. In other words, right now, so far we're saying that's why we said it for a chaser, because that's what we need for a house. But now we're going to question this concept even within the context of a house as follows. That for a house, this idea of particular should work on two sided as well. And does Shmuel even hold a particular Itmar, we have the following machlokas as follows. You have a gazebo in an open field. Rav is going to use the, the roof of the gazebo to drop down imaginary walls on all four sides. And he's going to say you can carry. Shmuel says you can only carry Abba Amos, which we already know is code word for you can't carry at all. 
So therefore, it sounds like Shmuel doesn't even hold the Pitzi Goriyard Gesosim. So the Gemara answers, Halakasher ki leislei be'arba avol b'sholish islei. That Shmuel, while he may not hold in a fully open gazebo on all four sides that Pitzi works, anything that's three open sides or less is in fact going to work from Pitzi So we say the Gemara mikol malkom kasha. But still, it's a question because what did our Mishnah say? It didn't say three open walls; it said two. So why dafka two? Where do we get this number of two Pitzi uh, is missing? So says the Gemara. Kid Amri be Rav Mishmei the Rav. Kigon shenifrat bekaren zav. Similar to what we had said by the Chazar before that it's nifrat in, in the corner of the house. And it's hinted in our Mishnah, the roof is at an angle. So, but here we're talking about what? That it's actually breached at the corner, right? And, it, and therefore, Rashi explains what? When, look at, the, look at the image in Rashi itself, when a house gets, right, breached at the corner, it's always jagged. It's never going to be a straight diagonal. It's always going to look like what? Like a Tetris piece. And therefore, when you have that Tetris piece, it looks like what? Like stairs. So all of the dimensions of the stairs are going to require their own Pitikra. Genius. When you have that, that means that you're going to have to rely, right? There's like five different Pitikras going on here. And Shmuel's maximum is three. And that's why when it's breached in a corner with this jagged edge, it does not work to have the concept of Pitikra Yard Resarsim. And that's what it means when it says, just like we had said before, by the Chatzar, when it's, when it's breached at the corner, it means that it's breached in this jagged way. And that is the reason why when it's breached in that way, it is uh, considered breached for the purposes of Mechitzos. We'll continue here tomorrow.